Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Gastroenteritis Blues for another edition live on Locker Room. My name is Steve Lippman. I am with my friends Emily Anderson and Dan Volpone. Dan, first question to you. If you, hypothetically, from the day you were born, only focused on playing basketball and getting as good as you could possibly be at basketball, but ended up your current height, what is the highest level of basketball you could achieve? Uh, wait, so... Do I even have to do schoolwork, or I'm just, like, literally training? No, let's say your parents were, like, ex-pros and were, like, homeschooling you and allowing you to be in the gym, uh, faithful to the grind, like Markel Fultz. And, uh, yeah, what, what, what do you think? Where would you end up? I feel like I could play D1 in that case. D1? Yeah, I mean, I'm not playing in the pros, but I don't think I'm, like, athletically gifted enough. But I feel like if you're, like, you know, if you keep yourself in shape and you're, like, if you work hard enough at it, like, you could you could play D1. Like, this isn't even me specific. I think this is, like, I mean, I'm tall enough. Like, I'm almost six foot. Like, if I've been trying my whole life, I could play at a low-level D1 school. You're almost six foot? Yeah, I'm almost six foot. I'm, like... I only see the top half of you every time we do this podcast, so it's a mystery to me. You must have some long legs on you. How long are your legs, Dan? We'll get to basketball. <laughs> my legs are very long. My roommate's 6'3", and his legs are not that much longer than mine. Wow. All right, well, congrats to your roommate on his height. Emily, quickly, what do you think? Where could you end up in basketball if you had focused on it from day one of your life? Um... This is going to sound like very cocky, but I kind of think <laughs> I could be in the WNBA. I love it. I love because the confidence. I'm pretty tall. And, well, here's a fun question. How tall do you think I am from the top half of my head? Emily, I have met. you. You've met Emily? Yeah. Where? Yeah, that's true. I've met Dan. So this is not a question for you, Dan. Is this since we started the podcast? Did you guys have a hangout that I was excluded from? No, this is at an old lottery party. You didn't get invited to the the post-game party. We didn't invite you. You didn't have the invite. (laughs) That's fair. I I want to blame you. Uh, Emily, I have you at a cool 6-1. Am I right? (laughs) Yep. No, what are you, 5-9? Yeah. (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. And All right, I great. Really, well, congrats. Really big you. hands. So I think oh, that they are like good basketball hands. Are you good at basketball? Um, No. I played in seventh grade on the junior high team and I didn't score a single point. Oh, wow. Okay. And so I you couldn't. Were more of a defensive player. Skateboarding skills, she would be good. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was a swimmer. I swam. That was like my thing. Mm, got it. All right. Well, you use those big hands like paddles. That's smart. Exactly. The two two sports that require big hands. 
That's great. Um, all right. So we have basketball coming. Uh, we're recording this at 5 o'clock Eastern. The Sixers are going to play the Bulls at 8 o'clock without Joel Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons as they are still in the uh, COVID quarantine protocols thing. Uh, Joel should be able to come back tomorrow as long as he continues to be negative, uh, negative tests. And Ben should be back uh, against the Spurs on Sunday. Emily, how do you feel about tonight's game without Ben and Joel? Um, I feel okay about it. I like that it's a game like right after the All-Star break. So no one is really in a groove. Like everyone's out of sync. Um, right. It's fun to have. I mean, we needed Joel's like 50 piece last time we played the Bulls. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. But I feel yes. okay. The Bulls are not that good. Danny Long. probably Lange, aren't either with uh without Ben and Joe though. So that's probably true. Yeah, Dennis, I will not feel? I will not be watching this game. This sounds horrible. Oh whoa. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> this sounds listen, the the best the the reason a, a Ben and B game on a normal day would be fun to watch and I would actually look forward to it. A game without Ben and Embiid, I mean, is because you can expect some Paul Reed minutes. But mm. Paul Reed is playing as we speak and if we're not we're not gonna see Isaiah Joe, we're not gonna see Paul Reed, you're not gonna get a glimpse of Rajon Tucker on the Sixers at this point, then we're just looking at heavy Mike Scott minutes, heavy Tony Bradley minutes, heavy well, not heavy Dwight minutes because he'll probably fell out. Um mm. This seems like a game where if it's good, I can rewatch it. But other than that, I am not doing that to myself tonight. Um, I think you're probably right. Who do you think uh, fills out the starting lineup? Uh, Danny Green, Seth Curry, and Tobias Harris, I'm sure, will stay in it. But who do you think takes Ben and Joel's places in the starting lineup, Dan? I, I mean, I guess I would assume Shake starts. And then I think they probably start Tony Bradley again because – if they play Dwight too many minutes, he's going to foul out. And they've been – he's just looked so much better off the bench that they've – I think the last couple times without Embiid, they ended up doing Bradley, and it did work a little bit better. So I, I would imagine – I think that, that was because it. of Ben, though. I think that that was because the uh, Ben-Dwight lineups are so sort of uh, uh, problematic. But I, who knows? I mean, it definitely could be Tony Bradley. Um, Emily, what do you think? Do you think it will be Dwight and Shake, or do you think it will be something else? Um, my guess is, I think it'll be Dwight and Shake. Yeah, I don't really, I don't want Tony Bradley to start. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> so, I don't know. I kind of think Tony Bradley's totally fine. I, I, I think that uh, he looks like he plays in a different era. Uh, but, and I don't know if he can jump at all, but I really, uh, I think he's fine. Um, one thing that I'm thinking is Dwight, uh, what's his name? Doc has liked to keep Shake in his sort of six man role. So I wonder if he would have Tyrese Maxey start just to keep Shake in his, in his usual minutes. Uh, but I think most likely is, is Shake and Dwight starting. What do you think the odds are that the Sixers win this game? Uh, the Bulls aren't particularly good. They have, uh, future Sixers, Zach Levine. Um, what do you guys think? What are the odds of the Sixers winning? Are they in Chicago? Yeah. They're, love it. Um, what do you think, Emily? Uh, who wins this game tonight? Um, I'm going to continue my homer run and just say the Sixers. Love it. Dan? 
Oh, the Sixers are not winning this game. I'll give them a I'll give them a twenty percent chance to win. The the team is just really bad without Ben and Joel. And usually I think that the, they'll actually be okay like when Tobias is in because Tobias has like shown a bit of an ability to without Ben and Joel carry the rest of the guys, but he's not gonna play the whole game, especially in just like a normal regular season game that it's okay if they lose to a bad team and when he's not in, I think it might get really, really ugly. Like the Bulls have some the Bulls are still like they're not good, but they have some like quality young players. They have some good bench pieces. I mean still love, you know, like Thad Young and um I just I I have a hard time seeing the Sixers being able to survive like a full forty eight minutes with such few playoff rotation caliber players. Here's a question. Who the hell is going to guard Levine in the starting lineup? Because they're not going to start Matisse. So I guess it's Danny Green's job? Maybe they do start Matisse for fun. Whoa. Oh, that's... And just have Seth run run the point there. And Toby handles the ball a good amount. They could. I I would guess they don't, but they've shown... They've shown that they're not afraid to surprise us when guys are out with who they start because we got we got a Furcon start when Furcon was playing at his worst. We got a Mike Scott start when Mike Scott hadn't been playing. Like I think I think Doc likes to give some of these guys a confidence boost and switch it up. And I think for him, right. I don't think for him it's as simple as like who is the best player we're going to plug him in. Like, I think I think he's he might put a guy that we're not expecting. So I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I wouldn't count on Matisse. I agree, and I, honestly, you guys are going to call me crazy. I think Dakota Mathias might get some run. I think that they might figure out a way to pencil him in, and who really cares in the end? And they just throw him out there to play with his friends again. Something to watch for, for sure. Uh, Dan, a little behind the curtain, you said that you've prepared lots of fun things for uh, for the podcast. I'd like you to take it away. Wow, you really talked that up. It's not that fun. But I was I was looking at some things. <laughs> I am... Um, you know, they have the uh, – I feel like this is a quote everyone brings up. Dave Early brings it up. Um, and it's like an old Daryl Morey quote where he says, if you've got even a 5% chance to win the title, and that group includes a very small number of teams every year, you've got to be focused all on winning the title. And this is back when he was with the Rockets. It's an old quote. Um, mm-hmm. So that made me decide to check who does 538 have uh, in their model, not that their model is perfect. Um and I was surprised because they have traditionally been pretty high on the Sixers, and the Sixers are exceeding my expectations this year. So I was thinking, hey, maybe maybe they have the Sixers pretty high. They have the Sixers at 5%, which I guess is not that crazy, but they have more teams than I would have expected ahead of them, which isn't to say that, like, I, I should rephrase that and say they have more teams way ahead of them than I would have expected. So hmm. um, you tell me, I would just kind of wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on this. They have the Nets with, at the best odds at 17%, which I think makes sense because they're probably most likely to get to the finals of anyone, which is how how 538 has it. They're, you know, they have three all-stars in the worst conference. Um, second is the Nuggets at 15%, which is the team I would have put the Sixers ahead of. Um, I That's that, crazy. I thought that was really surprising. Then third, tied with the Nuggets at 15%, but I guess slightly behind if you get into the decimals, is the Jazz. Um, the Clippers at 14%, the Bucks at 12%, and the Lakers at 9%. Um, 
The Sixers are tied with the Suns, but I guess, again, slightly ahead with decimals at 5%. The Celtics, Hmm. 4%. Raptors, 2%. Heat, 1%. And everyone else, under 1%. Interesting. So where was insane? Well, all right, Emily, tell me what, what what are your thoughts here? I think it's crazy. I think there's I would not put the Nuggets or de- I would definitely wouldn't put the Jazz ahead of the Sixers. Um, I think to win the title, you need to have like the best player on the floor, and that's never going to happen with the Jazz ever. I mean, I think that to some extent, I agree. I don't, I'm, I'm not high on the Jazz's title chances, but I do think, I think that they're, they're good enough to, to definitely win a couple rounds. I wouldn't be shocked if they got to the conference finals, especially if they can hang on to the one seed. Um, but yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I do think that they're, they're so much deeper than the Sixers that maybe they, belong around where the Sixers are. Like, I, if they were both 5%, I think I wouldn't take issue. As for the Nuggets, I mean, someone just pointed out in the chat, uh, Celtics fan just pointed out, pointed out in the chat, the Nuggets aren't even top five in their conference right now. They're sixth. They're right. behind Portland. And it seems kind of weird to have them as the second highest odds right now when – and, and like, I think there's something to be said that, you know, they have shown an ability to win tough playoff series. And Jokic is a guy who could be the best player on the floor in a lot of series. Um, but you, I think you could make, you know, a similar case about Embiid. I don't think the, the Nuggets have been particularly impressive in the playoffs in the past. I mean, they, the, the big series win was, was the Clippers series where they had the, the nice comeback. But besides that, they, they, needed seven seven games to get out of the first round each of the last two years either way. Um, and they lost and Damn. they lost as a Celtics fan pointed out again, they lost they lost Jeremy Grant, who is clearly showing himself to have been a great player. Right. Um, what would you then before you looked it up, uh, and these are I, I guess I don't know exactly how they come to these percentages, but if we just asked you what percentage chance do you have that the Sixers win the finals, what do you think you would have said? I think I would have probably said maybe like 7%. I don't think that they're unreasonably low, but I think the Lakers are unreasonably low. There's no way the Lakers are at 9%. There's, there's no, the, I, I think the, the next 17% might be slightly low, especially you know given the state of the East. I might give them, say, low 20s, 22%. And I might give the Lakers around the same number. Um, I, think, I think 538 has always been low on the Bucks. I didn't expect them to be this high above the Sixers either. And I actually, I kind of still am, I think I'm a little higher on the Bucks than some others in terms of like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that Giannis could figure out in the playoffs. You know, they have three very good players. Um, and, you know, Middleton and Drew are still good players. They're, 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 they have a competent bench. Um, like they just have some good pieces on the bench that, you know, they have a lot of new guys right now, new to the team, but I think they'll have enough time to figure it out by the playoffs and, and be meshing well, but I still am surprised to see them this high above the Sixers because if you remember this time, probably right around exactly this time last year, um, the Sixers, according to 538s, was were the favorites at, at, at an NBA title. They were well above the Bucks, who were having a, an historic 
season in terms of how good their record was and how good Giannis was playing. Um, and I asked at the time, I asked Andrew Patton about it, um, who used to write for Liberty Ballers. And he's very, I guess the word is like, you know, at, like he's very fluent in advanced stats, you know, like he really he's a smart. He's he, a smart guy. He knows the numbers more than me for sure. So I asked him, like, why is why are they so low in the Bucks right now? I mean, they have the guy who's won, who won MVP last year. He's going to win again this year. Um, th- this year being at the time last year, and right. and they have the best record in basketball by a lot. And he explained it that like the, the way the Bucks play is is generally not well suited to the playoffs. Is more well suited to the regular season. So the term he used was game theory optimized, which is like um, you know like threes and layups kind of thing. Um, hmm. And that doesn't usually like end up that well in the postseason, but why would they be getting knocked for that then? They have the same coach, they have the same key pieces. I mean, they have Holiday instead of Bledsoe, but they have the same two best players. And now, I, I guess, I mean, 12% isn't best in the league, but they don't have the best record anymore. And the Sixers have dropped. So I, I'm just curious as to what it is. I even saw the Sixers above 5% earlier. And I, I'm wondering what happened in this model that, that got these numbers to look like this? Because I agree with you guys in that they're not what I would have expected. You know, I wonder, and, and last year, you said this model liked the Sixers last year too, right? The, the, like yeah, more than the, more than they so could. Earlier, not, not, I, w- I wouldn't say that they were as high by the time the playoffs came around. Um, but this time last year, um, this time last year, Maybe not exactly this time, but I'll say I can definitely cover my base and say a week before because I remember a tweet or maybe two weeks before because I remember a tweet from um, from uh, Matt, who's Panasonic Disco, I want to say on Twitter. Um, and he had a tweet that was something like 538 has like Bernie to win the primary and the Sixers to win the NBA title. And it, that for some reason stuck with me. But that was so that was around that time of year. What a mashup. Yeah, so that was that was the mashup he pulled out, um, <laughs> and so he, his point was that he's you know after having made fun of Nate Silver forever, he's now all in on Nate Silver. That's um, funny, but yeah, which I thought was funny, but that is why I remember that the Sixers were so high because it was like notable that like, and and this is before like the struggles got so bad that they were at times like hard to watch, but they were absolutely, you know, according to five thirty eight. They were they were a team that could could make noise and, and win a title last year, which probably reflects what we thought early on. It's interesting because even when they were good last year, I feel like they weren't shooting a ton of threes and they weren't getting to the rim a ton. Like I don't I don't remember how those numbers sort of bared out back then, but I don't remember that team as like chucking and hitting a bunch of threes. I guess when they would when they would really win, you know, they would they would hit a bunch of threes like that Christmas game against Milwaukee. But uh, they didn't seem like an incredibly – between Richardson and Horford and Simmons, like, no, it didn't they seem like there were a bunch of them. No, they were, they, were, they were definitely not taking a lot. And the weird thing is, you know, obviously there was a time we were all – thought the Sixers could win. I, I mean, I, I can speak for myself and say, you know, I was wrong, but I thought they could. Um, and – and, you know, I don't think the Ben thing's an excuse. Um, obviously, yeah. they, they were showing issues before. But there's no – you know, no one's telling me after Christmas, right, that they didn't see the Sixers as contenders. Because that right. game – that game, I think everyone saw that game was like the, the Sixers are – you know, they seem to have the box number. They really slowed down Giannis. They look phenomenal. Um, but this isn't after Christmas. We're talking end of February 
slash like maybe for, say like end of February to like maybe March 1st, March 2nd, that they mm-hmm. had this position. Um, and then the issues were still there. Um, you know, it's not like they came out of nowhere. They, they, the Joel maybe got a little lazy, but, but Ben started playing better later. And the, the, the team always seemed like these, at least by February, you could tell that something was not perfect. Um, and Tobias was struggling. It's not like they were going super deep. Um, and but they were still at like twenty some percent. And this year, that's the great. That better. seems so high. Wow. I mean, I one hundred percent thought they would definitely really win the title. But I'm a moron. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, I guess you know. And the now we do have Celtics fan would like to speak on this podcast. Uh, so I think we're going to. Let him or her in. Hello, Celtics fan. Are you there? Yo, what's good, man? How are you? Pretty good, bro. What would no. you like to add, my friend? Nah, I was just like talking about like last year's Sixers team. Nah, dude, there was a point like it was weird because like you guys had our number like in the earlier part, but then like like there would be times where like you guys like I guess like played down to your competition. But I think the problem was I think you guys just got figured out in the sense that like. Like, Brett Brown didn't, like, the Horford and Bede lineup, like, he, it was, like, the amount of time that both were on the court really just, like, affected it. So, like, and then Richardson can't space. And then Tobias, like, I guess now he's a better catch-and-shoot three-pointer. Like, those situations, I think, like, were what, like, ultimately called to the downfall, I think. Because I think more because, like, even though they looked really good at times, like, I just think that um, they got figured out and the lack of shooting also – um uh, really hurt them, I think, for last year's team. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that was like a, a a roster construction thing where you all you have this brand new thirty million dollar player in Al Horford, and it became pretty clear that he can't play with the team's two best players. Um, Emily, do you remember from last year when exactly you saw it going downhill? Um. I'm not sure, especially because I'm like eternally optimistic and thought they were Mm going to beat the Celtics in the bubble. So it's, I can't ever like pinpoint. I probably thought they were going to, you know, come back and make a run when they were down like 3 0 in the playoffs. I'm not like a great person to ask (laughs) the question. It's funny. Uh, Before before that series, we did this crossover podcast with uh, the Celtics blog guys, and the whole podcast was. Everyone sort of in unison saying the Sixers don't really stand a chance without Simmons. Season from hell. It's awful. We're the sixth seed. It's over. And then the three of us all chose the Sixers to win the series. <laughs> I can't um, pick the Celtics. No, but I mean the, the Simmons thing definitely plays a role. Um, I think yeah, sure. I guess. But, you know, I, what I was worried about as a fan after that series was that the uh, Josh Harris and the ownership group would sort of be like, you know – it was a weird year, pandemic year. Ben was hurt for the playoffs. Let's run it back with everybody and see if we can do it again. Because I thought there was enough of a sample size that they were the sixth seed and, like, it just wasn't going to happen. So uh, I certainly feel better about them this year. But with with the team that Brooklyn has right now, I, I think that – Dan, do you think that it's, like, how good they see Brooklyn being – has them knock down the Sixers a few pegs? It could be it, but in that case, I would have thought they would have Brooklyn higher, right? Like, you know, I, I, I would have Brooklyn higher. I think that, you know, I th- a, a lot of people were not even thinking about this, and it's been focused on more on the All-Star break as people have had time to reflect. 
their three best players have only played seven games together. And Durant, while Kyrie missed a ton of games, and they didn't have Harden to start the year. Um, And I think it is true that that knocks the Sixers down. But I don't, I would, if that were the case so much so, I would think that the Nets, because the West is, is more loaded. Like, there's more teams that, that you really feel are a threat, that I at least really feel are a threat to, to win the West. And that's kind of reflected here, whereas, like, you know, you have the, the Heat at a 1% chance to win the title, Raptors 2%, Celtics 4%. I, I agree with all that. Um, so there's really just like, well, the Sixers are only 5%. But if you consider the Sixers one of those top three, then, you know, there's basically, they have two teams above them in the East, whereas there's more in the West. But I think that that would, you know, you would think that would mean the, the Nets are, you know, 20 some percent. Yeah, well, what uh, the five percent for the Sixers doesn't seem crazy, but the 12 percent for the Bucks, like the Bucks being seven percentage points higher than the Sixers, feels a bit off. Um, Celtics fan, thank you for coming and, and hanging out. We're just going to get back to the show here, but please let us know if you want to say something else. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Um, all right. Next thing, the Sixers of New Jersey's. Um, uh, Dan, I know you probably have more prepared, but we can go to this and then go to that. Yeah, uh, sure. What do you guys think of the Sixers' new earned cream jerseys? Dan, what do you think? Not a huge fan. Um, we texted about this a little bit. I'm not a huge, um, I'm not a huge fan of like the non-white white jerseys in general. Like I don't love what the. It's not just a Sixers thing. Like I don't love what the Rams did this year with the the color they're calling bone, which is like white-ish. Um, hmm. I, I, but I thought that like with the parchment color, like it was done nicely. Like it, it was like it was unique and it was like sleek. And um, these just remind me of like the gray jerseys we had, which I also didn't like. And for some reason, when I picture them, I imagine Zaire Smith. Um, Oh, from the Rocky, like they did the whole Rocky. Yes. 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 I picture TJ McConnell. Mm. 
that's really cool as well. I mean, both both legends that we're picturing here. <laughs> I picture Alex Subers. I remember him wearing one of those. I have but that jersey. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't love him. I think that we. I'm not a, a huge jersey. I know Harrison's a, a huge jersey guy. I'm not a huge jersey guy, but I can look at this and say, I will not be buying one. Emily, what what what's your overall feeling about these earned jerseys? Yeah, I don't love them either. I am a fan of the cream jerseys. I think they look nice. So I just don't like that the number is bigger than the bell. Like the bell needs to be bigger so the number fits in it. That's what makes it look look like weird and cheap to me. Um, I'm looking at it now. Wow, I didn't even notice that before. Jesus. It's weird. Like, why is that like that? That's so. It strange. looks like a rough draft. It looks like a yeah. knock. The real thing. So, like, if they like figured out the sizing of that, it probably wouldn't bother me as much because I do like the cream colors. Like, I think the shorts are really nice with like the stars and the cream, and I think they're cool. Um, but it's just like the sizing of this bell and the number on it that is really throwing me off. Yeah, I mean, Harrison Grimm, friend of the show, uh, he just put in the chat that it looks like they made the jersey in MS Paint. I agree. Another issue I have with the jerseys is that there's no mention at all of Boathouse Row, which is really, I think, what, you know, symbolizes what we're all about as Sixers fans. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's disappointing, and uh, I would like them. I'm not a, I'm not really a jersey takes guy. I usually think they're fine because we have a very handsome team. But, uh, yeah, I think it, these just sort of look uninspiring, although I will say that the shorts are cool. Um, Dan, what's what's next? What else do you have? Yeah, this is just a little thing. It's more of a, a newsy thing than anything else, but I think we should talk about it, which is, um, you know, Steve, you've written about um, how you want the Sixers to trade for Lowry. Um, I'm all in with you, and I think Emily said she was too. Um, he was the example I used in what I wrote the other day about how It'd be great if the Sixers could get, if possible, get, you know, a fourth high-end starter. Just basically, you know, how Tobias has been able to take on a bigger role and carry, you know, the team when Simmons and Embiid aren't in versus, you know, Danny Green, Seth Curry really can't. And it'd be great if we had another guy like that um, for a lot of reasons. I think it fixes the bench. I think it um, it fixes the bench in terms of having another player who can, who can make them better. And it also um, it helps you get away from that. Ben, Dwight, Matisse lineup where um, right. they're all rotation caliber players and they struggle together because they can't shoot. Um, so we've had a lot of Lowry talk recently. This is from Jason Dumas of Bleacher Report. Uh, this came out, let me give you a date. Yesterday, I think, right? Yesterday. Yeah. And so here's how he, he wrote about the Sixers. Um, basically, you know, obviously they have their eyes on, on the nets a little bit and how they can um, get to the Nets level. Um, here's how he ends it. There are pipe dreams out there for Sixers fans. Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, and to a lesser degree, Kyle Lowry. None of that is happening. The Sixers have made it clear that they intend to upgrade, upgrade in the margins versus adding another star to the current core. They can't get Beal or Levine without moving someone within that group, and neither player may even be available at the deadline. Lowry is more realistic as a splashy trade target, but it's still far-fetched. He is not itching to get out of Toronto. That doesn't mean he won't be traded, but the notion that he wants to move on is overstated. The Raptors have fielded calls for Lowry, but Philadelphia has not been one of them. But, and he ends it with, but things can change in the snap of a finger. Another thing I heard, which was on the, towards the end of the, the Zach Lowe podcast with uh, Bill Simmons, I think it was that pod, 
uh, one of them, one of them mentioned how um, Lowry was like basically telling people like he was leaving, like he's he's out of Toronto. And this is saying that I believe office. was friend of the podcast Ryan Rossillo said that it was, <laughs> in fact, yes. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay. Well, I guess I'll trust Dumas then. But I was going to ask what you <laughs> make of all this noise. Uh, Emily, you go ahead. Um. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, that's. I guess I should have a hot take or a take at all. <laughs> But um, it's hard because I feel like it's so confusing to me when there's like multiple people who in the past have been correct. You know, there's a, some people on Twitter that are never correct, so I don't listen to them. But like <laughs> people have sources and it's just interesting to me when the sources are saying different things. So it's like who's in with Lowry, who's in with Toronto. I would be surprised, though, if the Sixers, if there is like talks on Lowry that the Sixers aren't part of them at all, I that seems crazy to me. Um, uh, Harrison just put in the chat here that Mark Stein, New York Times, Mark Stein, was on Locker Room last night, and he said that it seems like it's more likely going to be a DeLon Wright-level type of mood, move compared to Lowry or someone really good. That My read on that, I think, is just that it, it depends on what will be available. I have no doubt that if Lowry is actually on the table in some way, I think Maury would go for it. Like, yeah. I guess, you know, because there have been conflicted, conflicting reports about, you know, does Daryl want a big, like, sort of meaningful move or does he want to tinker at the fringes? I, see, knowing him, or I don't know him, but, you know, knowing what he's like, uh, I would be surprised if he wouldn't be trying to upgrade in the most meaningful way, uh, you know, possible. So... Who knows? I, I think that probably a lot of this is, is just who's likely to be available. I mean, it's not supposed to be a star-studded deadline. The deadline's in like two weeks. The guys like Beal and Levine are off the table, certainly. And, uh, you know, Lowry is uh, a possibility. But I think that as of now, he's not – did you guys see the quotes from him yesterday where Lowry was saying uh, he loves Philadelphia, it's my number one home, but – Toronto's my number two home, and he also didn't mention Tampa. Dan, did you see those? <laughs> I, I didn't see those, but um, I'm shocked he didn't mention Tampa. I think that he's he's really letting down the big basketball fan base in Tampa. Bay. <laughs> I, uh, you know, there was a report from uh, I think a Toronto writer yesterday that Lowry isn't going anywhere. Um, I think that I just wouldn't necessarily believe anything one way or the other at this point. Uh, this close to the deadline, you know, two weeks away, I would be surprised if Masai just totally like disconnected his phone and is no longer going to listen about this guy who's going to be 36 and expiring and uh, as their team isn't great yet. So I think that if they have a really bad two weeks, you could really see some movement there. Uh, and I would be very surprised if Lowry was actually on the table, if uh, the Sixers weren't calling and weren't trying to bring him to Philadelphia. But I think the most likely scenario is that it ends up being a George Hill, DeLon Wright, PJ Tucker, like that, that sort of level uh, move, just because I think that'll be what's out there for the Sixers. Evan Fournier, maybe we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, is I, uh, I think, you know, Trilbro Deuce talked about this a lot on Twitter um, that, you know, the, the, the playing tournament means that there's now, instead of, you know, a team like hoping they can get around the eighth seed and make a move at the end and maybe, you know, especially teams that just that are, you know, not everyone wants to do a full rebuild like the Sixers and they just want to, you know, getting to the comp the playoffs is an accomplishment for them. 
and they used to have to aim for the eight seed, and now they have to aim for the ten seed. And so now, you know, say the eleven and twelve seed are are in play, and we're looking at like six teams that are even interested in selling. You know, I I was thinking about the play in tournament and and that whole sort of setup, and if I if that existed during like the Doug Collins years and like all of that, <laughs> I would have lost my mind because like. If, even if you win the stupid tournament, you're still not winning the title. Like, if I was a middling team with nowhere to go like Orlando, like, I would hate the the fact that my owner might be, like, intoxicated by the opportunity to do the play-in tournament. Emily, do you remember your mindset during the Doug Collins, Lavoy Allen years? And, like, were you dying for a sort of teardown at that time? Um. That was like pre my reemergence into Sixers basketball. So I was like, You're not alone. Yeah, that was like the dark years. I was like really into it. And when I was in sixth grade, I watched all the games with my dad and then fell out and then fell back in for basically the process. And now I'm in too deep and it affects my daily happiness. <laughs> but so I don't, ha- I didn't have thoughts on it then. Yeah, Dan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, those in those years, I was, I guess, well, how am I now? 22. So I was young. Like, I was probably, like, early teens in those years or, or even before that. And I was, I didn't want a full rebuild. But I can also tell you that every summer, or leading up to every summer, I one summer convinced myself the Sixers were going to sign Dwight Howard when he was still, like, prime Dwight. And then the next summer, I knew that LeBron was coming to Philly because why would he not? And as it turns out, <laughs> none of these guys wanted to come play for the Doug Collins Sixers, led by, you know, Evan Turner and Drew Holiday and Thad Young. Um, I guess I was never – it never reached a point, though, where I I was, like, fully tuned out. Because I think that there were some bad seasons, um, and but I was too young to really care about all that. And, and the last season before – it kind of all went was when they beat the when they beat the Bulls, right? And almost beat when they took the Celtics to seven to right. would have gotten to the conference and they would have got swept by the Heat. But um, but that I mean, was the that last was, season before the, the Bynum trade. Right, and that was the last thing before the Bynum trade, which basically was the start of tearing it all down anyway. Right, exactly. Uh, one thing. I remember that, and I was at that game when the Sixers won uh, in the final seconds, and uh, Iguodala hit those free throws, and oh, it was awesome. wild. I did. I read Iguodala's book, uh, and I wrote a piece about it uh, over, I think, during the lockdown. Um, and uh, he said that on the day that he got traded, Iguodala, like an hour before, he was receiving text mes- messages from Doug Collins being like, can't wait for this season, you're going to kill it with us like just sort of just really being Doug Collins straight to the end uh the Bynum experience was a dark and and crazy experience I remember just every update was worse than the one before it and uh I was so excited when they made the move for him because it felt like they really took a big swing on a star and I guess they did but it just it couldn't have gone any worse I remember him saying pressure makes diamonds at the press conference and I was like this guy he's a poet and I love him (laughs) <laughs> uh, that was terrible. Uh, Dan, did you have anything else that you had ready? No, that was the main stuff I wanted to talk about. So the other thing that we can mention quickly is there's a new uh, article from Lauren Rosen who works for the Sixers all about 
the Sixers vibes and how much everybody loves each other. Um, oh, Celtics fan quickly uh, says, yo, any of you guys fans of Nick Stauskas? He went to my high school. Uh, I'll go first. No. Uh, you guys? I like Nick Stauskas. I thought that the trade to get him was awesome. He didn't really work out, though. But uh, It was a great trade. It was. Yeah. Emily, Nick Stauskas, what do you think? I was in on Nick Stauskas. I also just liked that him and TJ were great friends. I thought it was very cute. Mm. Um, but our Delaware Blue Coat sent him packing in the G League semifinals <laughs> last two nights ago. Um, he plays for is he in the Toronto G League now? Yeah, he plays for Toronto 905, whatever it is. That's what's what wow. he was doing. He was a good college player. That I can confirm. That's for sure. Um, so anyway, this article that came out from the Sixers website today, the, the thesis of it is that everybody loves each other and that after the games, they'll go in the lift weights with each other and play loud music and have fun together. And that there's an, uh, an invite list that uh, you have to get on and bring them in and you get to go and you, if somebody has the best vibes, they get a big giant chain. Um, and they all, they're, they're, they're in there, they're lifting weights and they're having fun. Emily, what do you think of this? And uh, who do you think has been in, invited to this the most times on the Sixers? Um, well, number one, I'm completely in on this. This is the kind of garbage that I live for. Um, <laughs> just these like vibe articles, like those videos of them dancing before games. Like this, this is the stuff that gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, I was even saying last night how I really, really miss um brett brown's bell post game the bell ringer um and so this it feels like the the replacement of the bell ringer um it's very interesting that because of covid they can't all do it together so it's like an invite only situation and i think it was (laughs) matisse that was like i would never go without an invite like but (laughs) i want to know like how the rotation happens is it just like you rotate who gets invited is there like like a b-list like at some weddings where like if you have enough nose you invite like your b-list guests that weren't on the right. initial list right um, that's what me and steve are going for at your wedding that's right <laughs> i'll B-list. take a c-list <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like danny green is like the chairman of of the vibes what is the playoff post-game party? Is that what they call yes, it? Yes, post-game party. I, th- I think Danny Green is is the chairman of it. Um, but Isaiah Joe is apparently the biggest the biggest vibe guy. He's won the chain two times. Right. So I want to know who else has won the chain. We only found out about Isaiah Joe and Danny Green. Like I need more. I want. I need Furcon in the chain. I need. I need everyone. Now, can you imagine Vincent Poirier in that chain? I mean, come on. I mean, that would be great. What more could you ask for? <laughs> Dan, what do you take away from this article? Yeah, so, I mean, I haven't gotten a chance to, to read it yet, but just from what Emily said, great. Um, <laughs> I, well, I, Sounds great. I think it's great, not just like it's cute that they're getting along, but also it's like really nice that they have like some kind of, you know, motivation that's like, you know, putting in the extra work after the game is like a reward, you know, like, like, that's like the cool thing to do. That's like the culture that's, that's being built. And I think the Sixers have had that um, in the past. I, I can't say for sure that they did the last few years. I, I never want to assume that they're not working hard. I'm sure they're all working very hard. Um, 
and that they might, you know, be putting in a lot of work without posting about it. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they're, they're obviously in the gym every day, but the, we've seen a lot more of it this year where, you know, Dwight and Ben taking threes after the game, um, or, you know, and now this where, where, you know, guys are, guys are back in the gym. And I think that's a really cool culture to build. We saw it a while ago. Like I thought, you know, the Jakar Sampson days, like the Tony Roten days, like I loved it when we had those young guys who were trying to get a spot in the league and, you know, getting Ben Simmons who already was earned his spot to get in the gym at two in the morning. You know, I think that's like, that's an, that's an underrated, underrated thing. And I think, you know, when people talk about like building that work ethic, it's not necessarily, you know, a vets versus young guys thing. Uh, And it's often made out to be just a vets thing. And in this case, it seems like it is with, you know, Dwight taking Ben out to shoot threes and, and Danny Green running this, you know, gym thing after, after games. But in the past, it was the young guys. And I think it doesn't matter who it is, but it's awesome to have, you know, you love to see them um, maybe not to a Jimmy Butler level of like waking everybody up at three thirty by dribbling, but, <laughs> but, to, but just to be, you know, doing the extra stuff and enjoying it and, and be doing it together and pushing each other to be doing it. I think is awesome. I think that that is, you know, great to hear and it's good news for the team. Yeah, it is really cool that uh, it seems like they all like each other, especially after last year when I think most of the players actively disliked each other, not in, not in an act like, not that they were fighting each other, but I think just sort of under their breaths. I talked about a sort of uh, Marielle Shayok, Raul Neto uh, issue that I sort of perceived. Uh, it didn't really come to fruition. But uh, anyway, Sixers play the Bulls tonight. Dan, you think they lose. I think they definitely lose. Emily, you've got them winning. Uh, I'll be running the Twitter and regretting it tonight on Liberty Ballers. Looking forward to it. Um, and that's it. I think we're going to talk to everybody again. Uh, we'll have an episode up after the Spurs game on Sunday. Anything Wait, else? I have, I have one more really important question. Take yes. it away. Um, I want to know your thoughts on minor league teams that don't have their own name. So, for example, we are the Delaware Bluecoats. They have their own name. They're playing the Lakeland Magic. They've just taken the name of the Orlando Magic, and I think it's really lame. I didn't know if you had strong feelings on it. I agree with you. I think it's lazy, and I think they should give him a wacky name. Uh, what do you think, Dan? No, I'm with you guys, and I will say that I think that that should be taken to an extreme. The wacky part, like if, like I love like for all the issues of minor league baseball, I think it's cool that they have like the dumbest possible jersey nights and like weird names for a lot of teams. Like the Reading Phillies, that's not that exciting, but Iron Pigs, that's pretty cool. Um, Love an agreed. iron pig. Yeah, yeah. So I'm no, I'm with you guys. I think I'm. I, so I but I think blue coats is fine. But I think they should have gone for something like really just full on, like really dumb. But yeah, blue I coats think is the still G better League, than magic. The G League needs to lean into like the wacky, the wacky name. Like so there's like a trash panda. There's in the <laughs> minor league baseball. There's like there's like something pony. There's a pony that's like a carousel. I forget which awesome. one that is. They're crazy and they're fun, and I think we should lean into it. And the Lakeland Magic are lame, and we're down by fifteen. So, <laughs> going wow. crazy. Can't, can't believe we saved the best part of the podcast for last. Uh, thank you to everybody who is uh, hanging out, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode here on Locker Room. But uh, in the meantime, you can see the next episode we do on Monday uh, in the Liberty Ballers feed. Good to talk to you guys. Uh, enjoy your nights, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya.
Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.